So today's podcast is on Turner syndrome. So it's one of the areas that people um, have identified is in the realm of paediatrics is to talk about some of the genetic conditions. We've talked about uh, Down syndrome and there is a separate podcast on that and a PowerPoint to follow. This condition is called Turner syndrome. So Turner syndrome is a condition that is called, in most textbook, 45XO, which basically means that we've got a partial or a complete loss of this second X chromosome in those that are phenotypically female, okay? So female phenotype, loss of the second X chromosome. Remember, in females, XX, males, XY. And it has a prevalence of about one in every 2,000 live-born female children. So, named after a gentleman called Henry Turner in 1938. And what he described is many of the features that we look for in single best answer questions to determine is this likely a diagnosis of Turner syndrome or is this something else? So the things that we looked at and the things that we were concerned about were short stature. He described sexual infantilism, cubitus valgus are a few of the things that he talked about. So there is a lot of variability in the way this presents, but certainly for exams, there's a few things that are worth thinking about. So if we just name some things that are quite common in Turner syndrome, so short stature, pubertal delay, ovarian insufficiency, cardiac and renal abnormalities, so cardiac abnormalities include coarctation of the aorta and less commonly bicuspid aortic valve, sensory neural hearing loss, eye problems that we'll delve into a bit later on, thyroid abnormalities and metabolic syndrome, IBS and neurocognitive problems. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about why someone would think that the diagnosis was Turner syndrome. And we're going to look at some of the features and therefore if this is described in one of your diagnosis questions in progress test or your SBAs, you would be able to say, yes, this is Turner syndrome or is this Down syndrome? Is this something else? And we will cover other conditions um, such as Noonan syndrome in another podcast. But today we're going to focus mainly on Turner syndrome. So it can occur wide range of ages. If prenatal features of Turner's, if, if that's what um, something that you'd like to learn about, you can get increased nuchal translucency that remember that is something that can also be found in Down syndrome. Cystic hygroma 
which is one of your differential diagnoses for a swelling in the neck. Left-sided obstructive cardiac anomalies, so that is your co-optation of the aorta. That is highly suggestive if found in the fetus. So, another thing, webbing of the neck. So, webbing of the neck is a common giveaway in SBA questions where the answer is Turner syndrome. Lymphedema or coarctation of the aorta in an infant should alert you to potentially saying this could be Turner syndrome. So what do we do? Well, for those of you who aren't too familiar with genetic techniques, karyotyping is a way of looking at the chromosomal arrangement. So if we're looking at partial or complete deletion of one of the X chromosomes, then it would be very much worth having a look at that. So that's um, one of the things that we can look at. So we've looked at a few things. So we've looked at how these patients will present, what the genetic basis for the syndrome is, and some of the potential giveaways, things like neck webbing, coarctation of the aorta, ovarian insufficiency and delayed puberty, as well as association with things like thyroid dysfunction and inflammatory bowel disease. So the most common finding in Turner syndrome and the one that should really get your alarm bells ringing is short stature. So any female, phenotypically female, who has got short stature, you should be thinking in your differential diagnosis in an exam, Turner syndrome. So this is thought to be due to called the short stature homeobox container gene. It's called SHOX. So S-H-O-X. And it's easy to remember because the X stands for it's on the X chromosome. So therefore, if you have got partial or full deletion of the X chromosome, you can delete a portion of um, this S-H-O-X or SHOX gene. Quite a nice one to remember um, shocks gene on the X chromosome. So growth hormone secretion is preserved in Turner syndrome. And we will talk about why is that slightly paradoxical because growth hormone treatment is one of the management strategies and the nice guidelines for Turner syndrome. So we will talk about even though they are to have no problems with growth hormone secretion, why might it be a um, therapeutic option to give growth hormone in these patients. So if we use recombinant growth hormone therapy, it's been shown that it can improve adult height in patients with Turner syndrome by about five to eight centimetres. How well this works is incredibly variable. And of course, as with final adult height, it depends on mid-parental height age at which we start the growth hormone therapy, how long we give the growth hormone therapy for, and the dose of growth hormone therapy, and what their height was before we gave them growth hormone therapy. So it can be given as early as four to six years of age, um, and even sooner if growth failure is apparent. So we use lower doses, in the 
UK compared to America. So they sometimes go up to kind of 55 micrograms per kilo. We tend to go between about 45 and 50. And a lot of the overwhelming guidance is that you can start at 45 to 50 micrograms per kilogram per day, and you can increase up to 68. So it's administered subcutaneously, seven days a week, so every single day of the week, subcutaneously at night. Monitoring of height every three to four months in the first year of therapy, and then you space it out so they can actually have it six monthly then. So growth hormone therapy can be discontinued after their linear growth is complete. So looking at basically where the height velocity drops below two centimetres a year, that happens normally between the ages of 13 and 14 in this subset patients. So potentially there are risks with growth hormone therapy. So we've said five to eight centimetres potentially added on to adult height, but is variable as to when it started. But it's generally well tolerated, but there are problems. So it is a risk factor for intracranial hypertension in these patients. Slipped capital femoris, femoral epiphysis or SUF, so slipped upper femoral epiphysis on PASMED. Scoliosis and pancreatitis risk goes up as well. So there is slightly conflicting evidence. So we know that growth hormone is one of your counter-regulatory hormones. So growth hormone increases your blood glucose levels. So it's one of your counter-regulatory hormones to insulin along with glucagon. Um, so what does it do in patients glucose tolerance in Turner syndrome. So there's a bit of a argument about what happens. So there is confliction whether growth hormone therapy worsens glucose intolerance in patients with Turner syndrome. A lot of them will have a HbA1c done once a year, HbA1c being the um, measure, the average measure of glucose in the red cells over a period of 120 days. So you can measure insulin-like growth factor one, IGF-1 levels. Um, and I think that would be wise considering that they're subjected to increased levels of growth hormone. Other options, so we talked about growth hormone that is basically the main thing, but there is potentially in girls with Turner syndrome greater than 10 years of age with a very poor projected adult height on the growth hormone, you can use an anabolic steroid that I think is used predominantly by bodybuilders um, called oxandrolone. And that can be used, um, as you would imagine, giving steroids in phenotypically female patients there is risk of virilizing effects of acne and clitoromegaly. So that can, if in use conjunction with growth hormone therapy in correctly identified patients, it can um, increase adult height. So the main reason we're giving growth hormone therapy in this 
is that it does seem to have an effect on final adult height. So ovarian insufficiency is the next thing. So we've talked about big issues, which we've delved into a little bit more, is number one, growth failure, short stature. The second issue we're going to talk about is ovarian insufficiency. So only 14% of patients with Turner syndrome, 14% will have spontaneous puberty. So the majority of girls with Turner syndrome require puberty to be induced with either an oestrogen or progesterone replacement therapy. The main reasons for this is that by inducing puberty, get adequate breast development, uterine maturation, and it improves peak bone mass. So gonadotrophins, especially your FSH levels, should be monitored annually um, at about 11 years onwards. And this will confirm hypergonadotrophic hypogonadism. Okay, so this is when your gonadotrophins are stimulated to so your FSH, etc. Because your ovaries aren't working, that leads to a lack of feedback. And then your body's natural response is to synthesize and produce lots of um, gonadotrophins, try and stimulate non-functioning ovarian glands. So you can measure anti-malarian hormone and inhibin B as well, and that can predict um, vein insufficiency. So 11 to 12 years old, you can actually give transdermal 17 beta estradiol. So compared to oral estrogens that were previously used, it has better physiological delivery because it's transdermal and it avoids the first pass metabolism in the liver. So bioavailability goes up. So a really exciting thing is a recent meta-analysis showed that whole, bud, whole body bone mineral density, fasting glucose and total cholesterol with the transdermal compared to the oral route were all favourable. Okay, so that's one of the things. So they're all commercially available and we can have it on a daily basis or twice weekly application. So that's what we're going to talk about. There are neurocognitive or behavioral problems. So Turner syndrome is generally associated with a normal intelligence, but it has got associated neurocognitive and psychosocial problems. So 10% of girls with Turner syndrome may present with intellectual disability. Challenges in executive function, so that's handling of tasks, working memory and processing information can be affected. Problems with facial expression recognition, motor coordination, etc. And a potential association with autistic spectrum disorders and ADHD. And these are common in patients with Turner syndrome. So have problems with those things. OK, so they are. We won't delve too much into it. But it's important to be aware of these things. So cardiovascular abnormalities are common in Turner syndrome. 
So we're looking at congenital heart defects. So we're looking at a bicuspid aortic valve, aortic valve stenosis, coarctation of the aorta is the big one. Sometimes an aberrant right subclavian artery, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, atrial and ventricular septal defects, partial anomalous pulmonary venous drainage, um, where the pulmonary veins don't drain where they should do, pulmonary valve stenosis, dilation of the aortic root and aortic dissection. So we also have ischemic and cerebrovascular disease. So these contribute to 50% of the excess mortality in Turner syndrome and therefore very important. So what is important for us to do? Well, be aware of those association, okay? Very, very important. The last thing we're gonna talk about, and then we're gonna summarize everything we talked. There is an increased risk of other problems. So increased risk of otitis media, an early onset sensory neural hearing loss. Autoimmune problems are associated with Turner syndrome. So you've got thyroiditis, you've got celiac disease and inflammatory bowel disease, predominantly Crohn's rather than ulcerative colitis. So the last thing I'm going to talk to you about is summarise the different systems that are affected in Turner syndrome and therefore what you are looking at, okay? What you are looking at in these exam questions. So cardiovascular is the first thing we're going to talk about. So common abnormalities, we've just covered them, a bicuspid aortic valve, co-optation of the aorta, other left-sided cardiac anomalies, you can get conduction defects, hypertension and deranged lipids, okay? So these patients often require a transthoracic echo when they're diagnosed. They need a resting ECG to also look at their QT interval. They have echocardiograms to look at aortic root dilatation or any other problems of the heart. And they normally have annual lipid profiles starting from age 18. So... ENT-wise, so they can get early onset sensory neural hearing loss, middle ear infections and abnormalities of the external ear. So they have hearing tests every five years starting at nine months of age. Eyes that we mentioned earlier on, that there were problems, I'm going to mention a few of them now. So refractive errors, ptosis, strabismus and ambulopia. So it's worth as a bit of homework, Google some of those specific terminologies, specifically ambulopian strabismus, and remind yourself what they are. Dental, so you've got abnormal tooth eruption and root and crown abnormalities. Thyroid, autoimmune thyroiditis and hypothyroidism. Metabolic-wise, obesity and glucose tolerance, you said there's a difficulty in establishing, is that glucose intolerance made worse with growth hormone therapy? Gastrointestinal-wise, celiac disease, transaminitis and IBD, kidney malformations, horseshoe kidneys and hypoplasia of the kidneys. Orthopaedic, and there's a few of these um, to be aware of. So we've got scoliosis, kyphosis, cubitus valgus, genu valgum. So be aware for your exams, difference between valgus and various deformities. Pectus, pectus excavatum and the so-called shield-shaped chest. Bone health, they're at risk of vitamin D deficiency, 
osteoporosis and an increased fracture risk. So they are screened after the age of nine years old um, with a 25 hydroxy vitamin D level and dermatological wise melanocytic nevi so moles and obviously same advice as other people if they change in character and they look different then um, we advise them to have a dermatology review so that has been um, a quick discussion about Turner syndrome powerpoint to follow any questions feel free to let me know